0: Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecki, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiecki, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiecki.
1: Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts and explore deepening truth in support of the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be looking at evolution and the human-cosmic connection. Myth, legend, symbology, astrology, and evolution, seemingly unrelated topics, yet therein lies the language of light, frequency, and cyclic progression. The way humans express and manifest is directly related to the light and frequency present on the planet. This light is ever shifting as emanating heavenly bodies move, altering their relative positioning to the earth. These shifts present as wheels within wheels of cyclic associations as vast as the galaxy and beyond. Some are as frequent as the rising and setting of the sun. Others take millennia to run full cycle. The records of these galactic cycles are kept in every society, locked deep in the myth, legend, and symbology of the culture. By employing comparative mythology, one can uncover overlording truths about past and future influences that have and will greatly impact earthly affairs. These cycles are also charted by ancient sciences such as astrology and the Mayan calendar. Is evolution Dictated by this mysterious human cosmic connection? What can we learn about where we've been and where we're going by following the clues left in myth, legend, and symbology? What can we learn about life by studying the sciences of astrology and frequency? With us this hour to explore these mysteries is Jennifer Gill, an author, astrologer, and certified acoustics practitioner who combines astrology with sound for a unique healing experience. Her passion inspires new awareness of ancient medicines as it relates to the human-cosmic connection. And she discusses these connections in her books, The Science of Planetary Signatures in Medicine, and Return of Planet Sedna, Astrology, Healing, and the Awakening of the Cosmic Kundalini. Her website, SoundworksByGeal.com. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us on Mission Evolution.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Gwilda. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs>
1: When did you first become interested in astrology?
2: I was pretty young. I was, uh, I want to say, 13 or 14. And at that tender age when I just felt like I didn't fit in anywhere within my family tribe or my peers, and I just wanted to understand myself better, and I was at a bookstore and happened across a book on my particular sun sign. And in that book, it also, if you knew the time of your birth, it would give you the placement of each of the planets. So I started there. And when I began to discover who I was through the language of astrology, I was enthralled. I, I was totally hooked because it gave me the peace that I could not find in my environment.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's amazing how just where we where and when we're born dictates a lot of our traits, isn't it?
2: Absolutely. And it is one of the things that I talk about or introduce in my first book and then touch upon in my second book, this idea of the doctrine of signatures whereby Nature marks each growth according to its curative benefits, so we learn how nature can help us heal through its signature, and by the same token, we each are created with a very unique signature, just like the snowflakes. There are no two snowflakes alike, and as Wilson Bentley discovered in his research on snowflakes, that Signature is defined and, um, well, I'll just say defined by its journey through cloud land. And I just find that so encouraging, amusing. Uh, I, I, I find it like miraculous because we are very much like the snowflakes, I mean, insofar as we have a unique signature that is defined by our own soul's journey, our own, um, you know, journey of the consciousness as we navigate uh, the cosmos, as we navigate this ocean of energy in which we all abide and are connected. Where do you study Astrology. I am self-taught, so I, I've i studied mainly, you know, just by listening to so many professional astrologers and taking a course here and there, and, and just by reading, reading a lot of books on astrology.
1: How old is the science of astrology?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, it's probably as old as... I, I don't know as old as the planet, as old as there were people on the planet, and those who studied the interaction between the movement in the heavens and how it correlated to um what you know what was happening on earth, the map makers the the um those who had to navigate the waters did so by. You know, looking at the heavens. So, this is our our history is so much more ancient than our history books have taught us.
1: How does the astrology of today differ from the more ancient forms?
2: Well, um, I would say I, I'm not exactly Gwilda, an expert on ancient astrology. Because I've stutter, studied, excuse me, the modern tropical system, but um, I would answer that by saying that ancient astrology did not have to, was not so separate from astronomy. They were there was more of a, a melding. They were, um, yeah, I mean, they they weren't separated in in the way that they are today. Astrology has been relegated to a pseudoscience, and I feel that there is so much more to it than that. But, you know, at the time of... Uh, both of my books also address this issue of medicine and what constitutes real medicine and real healing. And so just as astrology was separated from astronomy, um, the energy forms of medicine were also separated from the more substantive study of the body at the time of Hippocrates.
1: It's an interesting thing that happened when that separation took place. It's like you brought up the fact that plants um, grow and differ just like snowflakes. I wonder if, you know, when they come in, where they come in, when they bloom, each year uh, doesn't affect their potency and the exact constituents they have in a way that also correlates with what's needed that year on the planet.
2: Yeah, I I do believe that I'm uh, I'm an advocate uh, and a believer in the Gaia hypothesis that um, oh gosh sorry Juliana Margulies and oh that's terrible I can't. up with the other co-creator of the gaia hypothesis but it's in my book anyway um where they propose that's that earth is a self-sustaining self-regulating conscious entity and i do believe this i believe that planets are alive everything on the planet is alive all is imbued with a consciousness and the life force energy um the four elements uh you know, come alive on this planet. And so there is hmm, because they are all alive, they all interact and support each other. So, yes, I do I do believe that um, the Earth sustains itself through the interaction of these four elements, But we as a species living on this planet, I believe in the law of reciprocity. And I talk about this in in the book also. We cannot separate ourselves from the health of the planet any more than the health and balance in the ecosystem can be separate from our own health. They are inextricably connected. And so when we as humans living on this planet do the inner work to balance ourselves physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we are advocating and helping the balance on this planet. Nothing exists solely in and of itself. Everything exists in the context of the whole
1: well, we're going to have to take a commercial break here pretty soon. But when we get back, I would love to delve a little deeper into this concept of the whole because it looks to me like we're kind of in trouble out there with, with everything not supporting each other. <laughs> so it's time for that commercial break. Jennifer and I will return shortly, so don't go away. Right. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net) <gasps>
3: Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com
1: Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To stay abreast of all the wonderful information and tools we have to offer, visit our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Jennifer Gale. Her website, soundworksbygale.com. Jennifer, we were just talking about how everything is interconnected, um, you know, from galactically to what's going on on the earth. And as humans, we've kind of stepped out of that connection, and now things are kind of going going down in a handbasket. I mean, you look out there, everybody's pretty sick and imbalanced. How can we use um, what you know about astrology and everything to reconnect?
2: Well, this is, of course, based on my own personal philosophy and my own personal experience. But I believe that since we all do have an innate signature, an innate uh, connection, when we consider that astronomy is the language of the cosmos. It's the language of mathematics, of music, of everything that exists in the universe. I feel that astrology is the, is the language that describes the unique individual's connection to all that is, to the universe, to the cosmos, as it is unfolding, as it is expanding and contracting. Contracting. And of course, we have the larger cycles at work called the precession of the equinoxes. So, as each changing age arrives on the scene, as we leave one age, as we are doing, leaving the age of Pisces and entering into the age of Aquarius, we are, of course, seeing and witnessing on our planet. The culmination of probably what what has been the worst, or what we feel and what we perceive to be the worst, or the shadow side of the age out of which we are, um, well, the age that we are leaving, and so. There are always going to be those segments of society who fear change, who don't want to see the way they've been living and conducting their lives to, to you know, invite change into this reality of theirs. And so, naturally, we have people holding on, holding on, holding on to the old ways. That's just... You know, the way it has been on this yeah. planet for you,
1: you, you, human nature, if you will. Uh, speaking yeah. of change, there's an interesting event coming up uh, that you speak of uh, Planet Sedna. What is Planet Sedna?
2: Well, Planet Sedna is uh, just something, you know, a subject that. I have been fascinated by for a long time and I do want to make this one correction so please forgive me but um, I'm a certified acutonics practitioner and so my uh, study of acutonics is what introduced me to the Sedna planet and frequency I um, tell a few stories about Sedna, but one that I will share with listeners today is I was doing accutonics at an outside health fair when I lived in Asheville, North Carolina. And as I was working with this frequency, the elementals gathered around my client, who is um, a fellow healer and very psychic himself. And they were... Very fascinated and curious, asking questions. What is this? And so after I completed the session, I played the Sedna tone again for them and for him, rather. And the elemental said, oh, that's the tone our ancestors used.
1: Well, we're going to have to back up a little <laughs> bit. One is, what's acutonics? Two, okay. what is the Sedna tone? You lost me.
2: All right. acutonics is acu for acupuncture, tonics for the tones that are used on the body. Instead of needle insertion on the acupuncture points and meridian system, we use tuning forks that are calibrated to the frequencies of the planets. Sedna is a planet that was discovered in 2003. And in 2004, its relationship has It's based in the Inuit culture, so it was the first planet to be named outside Greco-Roman tradition. So it breaks tradition in many ways. It is also... Go ahead. Who chooses the name? Astronomers choose the name. Okay.
1: So it might have been here before and named something different last time.
2: uh, That is quite possible, I suppose. Its orbit is between... Ten to 12,000 years old, so the last time it would have been in our solar system was at the time of the rising waters when Atlantis disappeared and when the end of the Ice Age was taking place.
1: Okay. And so is that part of why they chose the Inuit name?
2: It is because just like um, the legend and myth of Sedna, the daughter of an Inuit... Um, family was (laughs) murdered and drowned in the arctic sea the planet sedna has been relegated to the iciest portions beyond our solar system so it's actually considered an exoplanet or extrasolar planet
1: how does that compare with say for instance pluto it's ways out there
2: Pluto is, there are several planets that fall into the trans-Neptunian object category. These are planets whose orbit around the sun goes beyond the transit of Neptune. And Sedna is also one of those. But we are, there are <laughs> TNOs, KBOs, and um Kuiper Belt objects, that is, KBOs. And then, um, I think it's STOs. And anyway, these are astronomical terms that that I describe. But Sedna was given a name unto itself, Sednoid, because the perturbations in its orbit are so unique and do not correspond to the orbital... um, Behaviors of the planets within our solar system, Pluto being one of them.
1: So it's it's fairly unique then. And um, what what um, traits are attributed to it? What does it bring?
2: Well, because it has such an elongated orbit, it is, in my estimation, meeting up. It is changing our perception of time number one number two it is bringing the ancient squarely back into our present time because when you consider that most of our planets up to this point have been named within the greco-roman tradition those gods and goddesses are considered past or you know part of our ancient past they're quote unquote dead with sedna we have a tradition that has been carried forth through the practice of shamanism in the inuit culture even today so this is what brings it alive to me and what i feel you know it's it's giving so us a- is, is
1: sedna is sedna um, uh, like um if is it an inuit shamanic um deity or metaphor for particular traits, the original name?
2: Shamanism was, shamanism and um, shamanic journeys were practiced well into the 20th century. Don't ask me for a specific date because I'm sorry, I just don't remember things like this. But I can tell you it, it was carried up through the 20th century, now shamanism in the Inuit tradition is carried forth in its art. But my point is that it is the first planet to reveal to us and and bring together our ancient past with our future in the now moment, in the present moment.
1: That's interesting, because there's a a mathematically proven formula, uh, uh, um, Dereck's Raw Law, that says that our present is manifested equal parts from the past and the future. This kind of lines up, doesn't it? It
2: does line up, yes. Very interesting. Yes, and and the Inuit culture, too, is about, and and shamanism, is about telling positive life stories, or I should say the legend of Sedna is about... um, In the Inuit culture, there is no written code of conduct. The code of conduct is written on the hearts of the Inuit people. And they conduct themselves from that space of right relationship with their environment. This is a huge lesson for us at this time. And, you know, especially as we move from through this evolutionary process, ending the age of Pisces and entering into the age of Aquarius, where the playing field for all life on this planet must be revered, must be respected.
1: Yeah, we're definitely running out of wiggle room, aren't we?
2: Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, it's time for another short pause. On the other side, I'd like to, to get back into sacred stories and how we can reconnect with those, um, as our ancestors did. But it is time for another short pause. Jennifer and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. So you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the Zone Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show, missionevolution.org, bringing leading edge information supporting the path to enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda wee and we're speaking with Jennifer Gill, Her website, SoundworksbyGiel.com. Jennifer, we were just getting into um, uh, the connection between ancient legend, not ancient legends, but ancient shamanic practices where it was unifying with the planet and, and holding that unity, and where we've ended up. And I was wondering if there is a connection between the return of planet Sedna, which is an Inuit name, and um, our ability to tell those secret stories and reunite with the way life works.
2: Well, I certainly hope there is a connection. I mean, that is the whole reason I do the work that I do, because I feel that it is incumbent upon each human being on this planet to do the inner work To cultivate the inner path and because Sedna does represent so much about water I mean her as the legend goes she drowned in the Arctic Sea and we have since Sedna has been quote-unquote discovered by our astronomers you know the planet was always out there but because of its return elliptical orbit or I should say because it it is at that point on its elliptical orbit that it is close enough I suppose for astronomers to have discovered it in 2003 Um, its relationship to water is highly significant to us when we consider that archetypally water represents divine feminine essence Our emotions the um, the mysterious unknown we've only explored 5% of our ocean Um, and by the same token science has told us that we only really understand 5% of all reality that most of reality is considered dark matter so so much of our of, of the sea of energy that we live, move, and have our being in is unknown. It is mysterious. And I believe that we simply need to make space for that journey. And we need to become our own, well, our own healers. You know, the best health insurance is to take care of ourselves. And I think that this is this relationship with the environment, understanding the reciprocity and understanding the reciprocity within our own bodies, within, you know, the, the different systems that are dependent upon each other. It's we've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to take care of our environment. And we do this through cultivating the inner path,
1: so kind of a reattunement, if you will.
2: Yes. We, so how, how do
1: the stars and planets impact the frequency of the Earth at any, any time?
2: Well, it's to me, it's like a music metaphor. It's this grand orchestra that is playing, and everything is moving, nothing is stagnant, and so uh, we're creating... <laughs> I guess chaos is part of the creation process, and we're all, it's almost as though the universe is tuning its instruments, and it's not making sense right now, but I believe more coherency will come into, will come to be as we, as the earth evolves, and as we stabilize moving into the age of Aquarius
1: well isn't that chaos kind of the natural result of moving out of one system and into another yeah
2: yeah absolutely absolutely Mm.
1: yeah makes it for difficult times but interesting ones to say the least
2: it does but again it's what we you know energy follows thought so what we put our focus on is what we are giving energy to and just as quantum science tells us that the observer impacts what is being observed, this is where the positive life stories come in. It's not about burying our head in the sand and, and, completely ignoring what is happening, but it is putting what is happening into the proper perspective and not giving so much power to the chaos, to the tuning up. Understanding that what is happening is going to give way to harmony because harmony is the way of the cosmos. Cosmos means order in and of itself. Um, There is divine order inherent in everything, every movement of of every planet and every movement within these, you know, within our bodies. So, but isn't
1: order, isn't order and chaos a counterbalancing thing? Like, don't we have equal parts?
2: I don't, I, I suppose you could say we have equal parts. I mean, because when you consider, as I do, the philosophy of Chinese medicine You have yin within yang, yang within yin. The dark and the light interacting together. And yes, each one in that eaching symbol is equal. Um, So we don't need light to dominate darkness any more than we need or want darkness to dominate the light. But we do have to understand that the whole, the undifferentiated whole, which is the Tao, is a dance of both of these energies. And I do believe that the return of planet Sedna is heralding this balance that is so desperately needed on our planet. Because for multiple millennia, it is the divine feminine essence that has been suppressed.
1: So what is the awakening of the cosmic? What's the awakening of the cosmic kundalini you speak of?
2: Well, this is the ancient principle as above, so below, as within, so without. The meridians within the body are also called axiotonal lines, A-X-I-A-T-O-N-A-L. And the earth has these axiotonal lines as well, the ley lines, or what the ancients called the dragon lines. They are lines of energy that conduct life force energy or what in hindu is called kundalini so we have kundalini moving through our bodies via these axiotonal lines and we have kundalini at the planetary level and beyond moving through each one of the planets and through space there are no there is no really you know real beginning and end to these axiotonal lines But they do link up, and it is that invisible, mysterious meridian matrix that connects every one of us to each other, to the planet, and to what is going on in the cosmos.
1: Well, everything out there is spinning or moving in some way. Does that mean these axiotonal lines are also in motion?
2: These axiotonal lines... Are, I feel in in the pro- sound. The reason I work with sound is because sound is such a beautiful medium for restoring harmony to these axiotonal lines and to actually aligning them with the order of the chaos. The, <laughs> the order of the chaos. Sorry, that was a Freudian <laughs> slip. <laughs> but the order, yes, the order of the cosmos and what is playing out. Um, so. As an astrologer, I I will just say this. Okay, you have a snapshot of the natal chart, the snapshot of the signature at the time a person is born. And of course, all the planets continue to move. So these moving parts trigger or highlight the various areas in a person's natal signature. And it's like the universe is knocking on the door and saying, Time to transform this area, time to let go of this pattern, time to invite this new pattern in. And as long as we feel in harmony within ourselves, we will feel in harmony with our environment. That is the whole purpose of astrosound or using sound to align our signature with a greater whole.
1: But then the greater whole shifts and we have to go into chaos to realign. So it seems like an endless cycle. So it seems like all the focus on harmony, uh, there should be equal focus on disharmony. I mean, don't they both have their purpose?
2: Well, you know, and yes, they do have their purpose. Absolutely. Just like symptoms, physical symptoms going on in the body are simply messengers saying this body organ is in need of help. It's in need of balance or you know, we're out of balance over here. And just like on the planet, our waters are screaming at us right now saying, please heal me. I am polluted. I am toxic. And I need help. I mean, our, our ecosystem, the same thing. All the symptoms of chaos we are witnessing on our planet that do cause fear. There's no question about it. But we do not have to live in the fear. We, if we if we feel the fear, it's a messenger. We don't need to stay there. I believe that it is so, so important for us to trust in the order that is always coming back into harmony. So yes, so, we go, yeah, we go in and out of harmony. Yes. It's so you're, you're,
1: you're, you're associating fear with disharmony. Um, that seems like they're unrelated to me. Disharmony just is, just like harmony is. But then the fear piece, that's more of a human response to it, yes?
2: That is a perception. That is a human perception, yes. But it's also a very real emotion that many on the planet are, are dealing with right now. But I am an advocate, as I said, of trust and trusting the implicate order that is always unfolding. But we can... Enjoy well, the going, ride.
1: Of, yep. We're going to have to talk about the ride on the other side of a quick break. All Jennifer right. and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net.
3: Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com.
1: Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show. Bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host Goldweeka. I always love to hear from my listeners. You can email me at info@missionevolution.org, at and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Jennifer Gill. Her website soundworksbygill.com. Jennifer, we were talking about going on a wild ride, and I have a question for you. Are we just along for the ride? How do the influences of the stars and planets and concepts, um, and you know, the concept of all that, jive with the concept of free will?
2: Yes, the free will question always comes up as it relates to astrology. And I have my own theory on that, which listeners may or may not agree with, but I will share it with you. And that is that because we are beings of consciousness, I believe before we incarnate, we exercise our free will. But I do believe in destiny only because that's been my experience i have felt so many times in my life that i've wanted to exercise free will and agency in a certain direction and i was getting pushback or resistance that that was not the path i i was to go down and so our free will comes into play as we respond to the movement of the planets and the the unfolding evolution of our own life. But so in other words, we have no control over what the planets are doing and when the transits come upon us and as they trigger different, aspects and emotions in our life, in our world, but we do have free will in how we respond to these different cycles of evolution.
1: Oh, you know, one time I was caught in a rip tide. It was no fun. <laughs> and uh, so the tide was there. It was going to do what it was going to do. And I had a choice to either continue to try to fight and get back to shore to my exhaustion or to just kind of ride it out and go parallel to the shore and go in. And fortunately, I had been trained to know do the latter is it kind of like that
2: yes uh, i would definitely i I like that analogy a lot because it goes back to our previous discussion on fear versus trust if fear paralyzes us and then we experience more resistance and we experience uh, we can't see a lot of the options that are available to us if we just relax and trust and then we can hear guidance clearly that wants to move us to a safer shore.
1: Do you see healing as um, a realignment with the natural push and pull of life—the uh, order and chaos?
2: I definitely do. That's why I—that's why I am doing this work. It is how I, I view things.
1: Will you link myth and metaphor with healing? Why are they so significant?
2: Because I believe that myth and metaphor and symbology leave room for the flexibility we need rather than the rigid, literal literal interpretation of so many ancient texts that keep us in black and white, that, that keep us separate with the perception of duality the us versus them the gender war that we that has been that really needs to be healed in every man and woman regardless of sexual orientation it goes back to the the dance of yin and yang and the dance of dark and light that are complementary forces working together even the chaos and the order complementary forces working together rather than arch enemies and so this is this and free will also comes into play as we understand that we as observers in our world have the power to change the way we look at things and as we do change our perspective what we are looking at also changes.
1: So, Isn't that part of the lesson of moving from one age to the other? Is uh, um, one one age had the black and white kind of lessons, and now we're moving into a more unified time. But is one necessarily preferable over the other, or just more appropriate at any given time?
2: I Yes, I would say the latter, that it's appropriate at a given time. Just like the, the transits of the planets, it... It's, and the seasons on this planet, there's appropriate time for planting, there's appropriate time for harvesting, all having to do with the changing cycles. So absolutely, um, timing is is very important.
1: So does this point out the link between astrology and healing?
2: It, yes, it, it does for me, yeah.
1: Can you say a little more about that link?
2: Well, I also, I feel that Sedna is also inviting us to engage in a different perception of time, to realize that even though we experience time in a linear fashion, time is actually simultaneous. I do believe that there are parallel timelines and Hmm. multiple timelines So Sedna for me synthesizes all of these by bringing past and future into the present now. And this is something we touched upon earlier. We have access in this now moment to all of time. So this telling, you know, telling positive life stories is an opportunity for us to re-script what we haven't what what we feel needs to be healed in our ancient past, especially as individuals
1: so what's a timeline exactly?
2: Well, timeline is viewing time linearly, but- just like East meets west. <laughs> Uh, you know, in a in a sphere, you know, on the planet, East is going to hold hands with the West, so is the past with the present, if we can understand that everything, past, present, and future is happening right now.
1: So we're talking about lines, but then we're talking about something that is not linear at all. I'm having trouble wrapping my head around that.
2: Well, it's a it's a very mysterious and deep subject. So, but remember I talked about the axiotonal lines
1: yes. and how
2: they are open-ended? I mean, if time in my in my view, and it is just my view, time is infinite. And so there is no beginning or end to it
1: but is it cyclic I mean everything else seems to be cyclic out there
2: cyclic would be an excellent way to describe time I suppose
1: but it's not totally repeating so it's not exactly circular but more like a spiral I don't see any lines in here
2: (laughs) yeah well I am NOT an expert on time Gwilda so I you know I don't know how to answer your question, so I'm not going to try to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Might because be one of those
2: unanswerable ones, right? I, I, well, right. I think I just, I do not experience time anymore as linear. I feel like, you know, many in my community talk about the timelines converging. The What used to be felt as, well, what they call karmic timelines and then the higher evolutionary process that is happening, whereby we are recognizing our multidimensional selves. So we are not one-dimensional beings. We are not even 3D beings. We're living in a 3D world, but we are entering into and remembering our multidimensional nature. So whether time is cyclical or um, I just view time as simultaneous. Everything is happening in multiple dimensions.
1: We have just a very short time left um, to be together. What do you see as the most remarkable change that planet Signia is bringing into our reality?
2: Hmm. I would say the most poignant and profound is again cultivating the inner way cultivating the inner path for so many years we have conducted ourselves on this planet by only paying attention to what is already manifested what is in the material world or material realm what has been erected as a building what has been um what appears as structures in
1: uh, unfortunately we are out of our time together Um, as always it's flown and now we're out of it but Jennifer thank you so much for coming on the show our guest this hour has been Jennifer Geel author of the science of planetary signatures in medicine and the return of planet Sedna astrology healing and the waking of the cosmic kundalini her website soundworksbygeel.com Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Wilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world.